can we just do something real quick? Can we just give uh, the worship and the tech people and the video camera, can we just give them all, show them all some honor? Like, all the tech people are cringing right now. I know, but we just, I just think it's good to show honor to whom honor is due, amen? Every week, day in, day out, they're creating stuff, they're here creating communication. It's, that's a lot of work. So I appreciate you guys very, very much. And man, if you're online, I hope you appreciate them too, because they make it possible for y'all as well. Um, today, we are continuing our central series, um, like Andy was talking about on the video. And uh, uh, I, I get to preach about solitude. Exciting stuff, huh? Yeah, COVID, solitude. Thank you, Pastor Craig. I'm, I appreciate you for giving me this one. This one's good. No, no. I'm actually very excited uh, to preach this because it's something that, quite honestly, I struggle with. Um, it's something that I, I enjoy, but I struggle with a lot because I have a five-year-old and a seven-month-old. So solitude just is like not a thing, right? Uh, I, I use the restroom and my son's like, hey, dad, why'd you lock the door? What's, I just want to talk to you. It's like, no, you're in kindergarten. Are you doing this at school? Like what's happening, right? Uh, so uh, solitude is not a thing. So this was good for my own soul this week to kind of just pray and study the word and, and just see how important this is, how essential it is to my walk with Jesus. Um, so I'm excited to, to be able to preach today. Um, like, like I said, we had our first service last week at Cross Creek Justin. We're having our second one tonight. So I'm stoked. We're wearing our, I'm wearing our No One Follow Jesus uh, Cross Creek Justin shirt. So if you want one, you're just going to have to join our church. So, I mean, weigh the options. Um, but no, we really would love to have you, of course, if you live out in that area, if you want to be a part of planting churches. Uh, it's exciting stuff. So... Uh, I, do have, I do have a question though. Like, what was, what was your first job? Because like, I love my job now, but I think about my first job and I hated it. My first job for me was picking strawberries out in the strawberry fields when I was 12 years old, having to get up at 4.30 a.m. Horrible job, right? Knees hurt, back hurts. You only make what you pick. Um, and so there's the temptation to just eat everything uh, so you don't make any money. Okay, so that's hard, especially when you're 12. Um, and I love strawberries, but you know, that was the thing. Um, fortunately, as I got older, I got a little bit better jobs. Uh, but when I got my license, uh, I was 16. And I remember I was still working out in the fields. I wasn't picking really as much anymore. Sometimes when they really needed help uh, for the company that I worked for, they provided fruit for like Yoplait and Pop-Tarts and all kinds of stuff. So, but then they also had fresh market things. So that was neat, really good stuff. But uh, because they did all that, they had mass produce things that they would do. And one of the things that they had was that these giant raspberry fields. Now I don't know about y'all, but I love raspberries. I don't know if anybody else loves raspberries. But working for ras in the raspberry fields is not fun. And here's why. When you're 16 and you're working out in the raspberry fields, they have these giant raspberry bushes. They're huge. They're taller than a person. They're like seven, eight feet tall. And then they would have these massive machines that would go over the top of them and they would shake them. And all the good fruit that was ready, that was ripe, would just fall off in the machine and they would put it on a conveyor belt. And my job as a 16-year-old kid was to be up there for nine hours out of a day, minus maybe 30 minutes, and sit there as the conveyor belt went by and pick out all the bad fruit, all the twigs, all the things like that. And this is back in the day before iPad, and iPods, we had Discmans, okay? We were beyond Walkmans at this point, thank the Lord. But it would just sit there and just shake and skip and it was horrible, like change songs on you. Um, so most of the time I just sat there in silence. Just the rumble of this giant machine for hours by myself. Horrible job. But what it showed me is, is probably like 
some of you, as a teenage kid, the idea of being by myself alone for that long, doing something that mundane, was terrible, and I hated it, and I wasn't prepared for it. The funny thing is that I think because of COVID in particular, we really, a lot of us, fear solitude. We fear isolation. We fear being alone because of what's kind of gone on recently. Now, if you're an introvert out there and you're hearing me talking right now, you're probably like, what are you saying right now? It's isolation is beautiful. I love being alone, right? And that's great. Today's message will probably be a little easier for you than for some of, you, some of the rest of us like myself, where I am definitely a, uh, a people person. I love to be at parties, maybe be the life of the party, maybe sometimes too much. Um, and so uh, it, this might be a little harder for the rest of you. But that's okay. We're going to be, we're going to make it. I promise all of us extroverted people, you're going to be all right. Now, what do we mean when we say solitude? Because there's kind of a lot of different ideas of what we could mean by solitude. I mean, there's Eastern ideas of solitudes. There's just maybe like just worldly ideas of solitude. Um, there's even like kind of Eastern Orthodox Christian ideas of solitude. So what do we mean? Well, here's what we mean today when we say solitude is that Ruth Haley Barton says this, I love this quote. She says, solitude calls us to consciously pull away from everything else in our lives for the purpose of giving our full and undivided attention to God. So when we're talking about solitude this morning, this afternoon, this is what we mean, okay? There's a purpose to pulling away. It's a conscious decision uh, to back out of all the different things that are happening in your life and my life that would try to take our attention. And we're saying, I'm going to pull away and I'm going to give all of my attention to the Lord. That's what we mean by solitude. It's not just silence. It's not just being alone for the sake of being alone. There's nothing inherently spiritual about any of those things, although they may be good, right? Like we've all been there where it's like, I haven't had a vacation in a year. My kids are driving me crazy. My boss is losing his mind. I need to get away, right? Southwest Airlines had a whole, a whole thing on that. You guys remember those commercials, the want to get away ones? Okay, like that's probably good in some sense, but there's nothing spiritual about it in and of itself. So for us, we mean getting away so that we can spend time with the Lord without any distractions. Now, why is this essential? Beyond just the face value of it, of course, because we want to spend time with God. Yes, of course, we get that. But why is this essential? I have three things that I want us to see uh, today that will hopefully encourage you to actually want to practice this idea of solitude, okay? Here's the first thing, is that solitude prepares us for significant moments and seasons. Solitude prepares us for significant moments and seasons in our life where if we do not engage in solitude beforehand, we may not be prepared for what is yet to come. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, Matthew, Mark, Luke. In the New Testament, go middle right. We'll have it on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. And we're just going to look at the first two verses and talk about this here for a little bit. Here's what Luke says. He says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. And so, just a little more context of what's going on here. Jesus has just gone out to, uh, to John the Baptist, who was kind of a, he was a prophet. He was kind of a, people looked at him as kind of probably a little crazy guy, but Israel was really in, in intrigued by him because he was preaching repentance and the kingdom and he was baptizing people. And the Bible says literally all of Israel had gone out to him out in the wilderness to be baptized by him. And now Jesus has actually gone to him and, and been baptized himself. 
And there's this beautiful moment where the heavens open up and God the Father speaks and he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We're supposed to listen to him. We're supposed to obey him. We're supposed to follow him. And the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus and it's just awesome moments. And so it's like, wow, Jesus had kind of, life had kind of been silent up until this point and now his ministry is about to begin. He's been baptized. God has, has put his spirit upon him. And what does he do? He goes away for 40 days. Now, can you imagine being John the Baptist? Your whole life has been all about Jesus coming, the Messiah coming, right? This is your cousin. This is your familia. And the, the, the kingdom is here. It's at hand. And you've baptized him and had this incredible moment. And now Jesus is like, all right, I got to go away for 40 days. Like, imagine what that would feel like. You'd be like, really? What, you you could have just count it the first 30 years of your life, that wouldn't have been enough. But what I want us to see here is that even Jesus, in his life, when he was about to start his ministry, there, he saw the essential value of making sure he would go to be away with the Lord, where he would be tempted by the devil to, to trip him up, to get him to sin, to, to get him to show he's not the Savior, he's not the Messiah, he's not worthy to be our sacrifice, our substitute for us. But he goes and he withdraws. Showing us this example that we need. There's significant moments that are going to happen in our life. There's significant seasons where you and I, we need to get prepared for battle. And it's not going to just be enough for us to, to just go and, and get, get advice or to just plan and to just schedule out. Like we genuinely need to make sure that we are having time where we are going to step away spend time with the Lord. I know for me, a recent season where I, I needed this was right before I had our second kid, right? Because having a baby's hard. I don't know if anybody's told you that, kids, but having a baby's hard, right? I love him. He's the sweetest little boy in the world, but he cries, and he has to be fed, and he has to be changed, and he doesn't sleep, right? And, and he's always, like, on the verge of, like, hurting himself. He's at that point now. Like, he can roll off things. It's always a scary moment as a parent, now he's about to crawl. He's getting up on his feet hands. And I'm like, so there's no, there's no rest. There's no solitude. There's this, it seems like constant attention. I have to put on this kid, which I love, but it's important and it's big. And I have to raise this kid right. And I need it to have a time before this baby came into the world and pull away and say, God, I need you to strengthen me. I need you to give me wisdom. I know I already have one kid, but that kid was easy. <laughs> This is the second kid. I'm about to go, we're about to go man to man, right? Before it was two to one. It was a little easier. Now it's like, it's harder, God. Like I, there's a significant season. And some of y'all are maybe sense one of those coming. Maybe your kid's going off to college. Maybe you're about to start a new job. Maybe you're trying to start your own business. Maybe there's this ministry that God has put on your heart that, that you need to be engaged in or you need to, you need to be a part of, of, of birthing. And it's this big moment. Listen, we need to follow the pattern of Jesus and see how in his life, throughout his ministry, he would get into this moment where something big was gonna happen. And what did he do? He would pull away and he would spend time with his father. Prepares us for these moments. Go to Luke chapter 32 with me. Just go to the right a little bit. Look at the second reason why solitude is essential. Solitude forces us to deal with the deep things of the heart. 
Solitude is essential because it forces us to deal with the deep things of the heart. Now, some of y'all love talking about stuff that's going on in your heart. Other you don't ever want to talk about with anybody, even the Lord. But what solitude does is it forces us to say, okay, I have to actually engage with what's going on in my soul. I can't ignore it. I can't just wash over it. I can't uh, put it under the rug or say, uh, I'll deal with it later. No, solitude, solitude puts you in the place when you're giving God your full attention that you deal with those things. Luke 22 here, verses 39 through 44, we get a, a glimpse into the life of Jesus and something really important going on. Here's what it says. It says, And he, Jesus, came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to that place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus knew exactly why he came to this earth. He came to be our substitute, to die on the cross for our sins, to, to make redemption possible for, for us, his people, that have strayed away and, and, and fallen into sin and darkness. And yet, when the moment has come for that to actually take place, we now see Jesus here in a garden, withdrawing himself from his disciples to spend time with the Father. And what does he say? God, please. If there's any other way, Father, take it away. Let there be another option. Not just once, not twice, but three times. And even when God sends an angel to come and strengthen him, he's still working so much with the reality of what he's about to endure that he's sweating drops of blood. Friend, if Jesus needed to get away to be able to spend time with his father because of what he was about to endure, but also because of what he was dealing with internally, that he wished that there was another way. And he was sweating drops of blood. If that's what Jesus had to do, how much more do we need to do that? That's not enough just to come to church, to be in a connect group, to, to have our, just our Bible study time at a Starbucks, or whatever it might be with kids running around in craziness. If Jesus needed to withdraw so that he could spend time with his father and deal with that stuff going on in his heart, how much more do we need that? We desperately knew. But the reality is, is because of technology, we just have distraction at our fingertips all the time, don't we? Constantly. And, I, and, and maybe not even for bad things. There's a lot of really good things. Like for me on my phone, I love that I have Kindle and I have access to hundreds of books, infinite amount of books to be able to read. I know there's probably a lot of successful uh, business people in here and students. And so you're like always not wasting any time. You're always wanting to read, get smarter, get better, learn something new. And that's great. But when it gets us to the point because of that and social media and YouTube and whatever else that we can't deal 
with the stuff that's going on in our hearts, that's a problem. Because it's, eventually it's going to overflow. The bubble's going to burst. And God our Father, he wants to be able to, to spend time with us. To deal with those things that are going on in our hearts so that they don't just get ignored. And solitude helps provide an opportunity for us to be able to do that. But not only that, this is the third thing. I want you to write this down. It's that solitude provides an atmosphere for greater spiritual formation. Solitude provides for us an atmosphere for greater spiritual formation. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Verses 5 and 6 say this. It says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who sees in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And your version may say, reward you openly. Here, Jesus is speaking to disciples, teaching them things, teaching them how to pray. And he uses these hypocrites as an example of what not to do, right? All of their spirituality is primarily done out in the open so that people can see how spiritual they are. Rock on, those guys. But Jesus is like, hey, I, I don't want you to be like those guys. Any kind of reward that they actually do get, any praise that they get, any, any kind of like, wow, that guy, he prays some beautiful prayers. Like whatever that kind of stuff that may be going on, that's their reward. But that's where it stops. But I want to reward, reward you on a deeper level, in a greater way. But that's going to happen when you spend time with me in the secret. Not amongst everybody else. In the prayer closet, some may have said in the past. That's what Jesus wants to do with us. Why? Because it's in that moment now where we are not, we're doing it for the right reasons. And we're not going to be distracted. And we can put our phone away. And we can just say, God, you have my full attention. And so the stuff that I've, I've been taking notes on in church and, and, and the discussions that we've been having in Connect Group and, and, and the things maybe I've been, I've been learning and, and praying about and dealing with, God, now all of a sudden, you can move those things maybe from my head and, and transform them in my heart. Because I'm not just doing it to do it. Right, if you're in a grow group, you know like there's this, there's this pressure sometimes when you're like, oh man, I wasn't as disciplined as I should have been this last week and it's like an hour before grow group and so I'm gonna cram all of my stuff in at the last minute. Like I wanna at least make sure I have the, the verse memorized, right? And it's like, if you're honest with yourself, did, was that very good for your soul doing that? No, it wasn't. That was not the point to begin with, right? And God doesn't want us to spend time with him and just cram our Bible study in and, and cram some prayers in and, and just go to church and hopefully God will be glad and you'd use that. No, he wants to spend time with us. I know for me, I, I get to pick up my, my kindergartner from school and, and it still amazes me every single day. He hops in the car and there's nothing more in the world that he wants than for me just to pay attention to him, for him to talk with his daddy, tell me about his day, to ask me, can we go get ice cream? 
every day. No, we're not going to get ice cream. I know one day that's going to change. One day he won't want that anymore, probably. But as his father, even though sometimes it's annoying (laughs) because I want him to just be by himself and entertain himself, I love that my son wants to just spend time with me. Even if it's just to say, hey, dad, watch. And when we engage in solitude and we say, God, I'm going I'm to make the conscious decision right now to put everything else away, even important things, and say, I'm going I'm to give you my attention. I can only imagine the joy that God gets in that and that he's then able to use those moments in our lives to be able to change us, to make us more like Jesus, to transform our minds, to renew our lives, to give us hope, to, to give us faith to give us strength to overcome maybe some addictions and some chains that have been around us that we've been battling with. It provides this incredible atmosphere for that to take place. But if we're distracted and if we're out in community all the time and and we're never alone with God, who knows if that can ever take place? I love a, a quote by a guy named Diedrich Bonhoeffer. You may not have heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's got a weird name. He's German. It's awesome. And uh, he was a pastor. He was a theologian, a writer, an author, a spy. That's pretty cool. How many of you guys you know that title? Um, and he lived during World War II. Uh, he was in Germany when all that was going on. And um, he wrote some incredible stuff. And he, he wrote about this idea about being alone with God and then being in communion and, and seeing how those things work together. And I love what he says. Listen to what he says. He says, let him who cannot be alone beware of community. And let him who is not in community beware of being alone. Each by itself has profound pitfalls and perishes. One who wants fellowship without solitude plunges into the void of words and feelings. And one who seeks solitude without fellowship perishes in the abyss of vanity, self-infatuation, and despair. That's powerful. God has created us for community, and we talk about that a lot, don't we? We really do. We talk about that a lot. And it is. It's essential. It's important. Without community, like he says, we're just going to be plunged into the void of our own feelings, our own emotions. We become our own little gods. But without being alone with the Lord, we're going to perish as well. We're just left up to what everybody else thinks, what everybody else is doing, what we think, what we want to do. So my question for you is right now is, what do you feel about solitude in your life? What do you feel about solitude in your life. How do you feel about that? Is it something that excites you? Is it something like, man, no, I know I need that. Is it something that gives you anxiety? Is it something you're like, I, I, that sounds great, but I can't really do that. I'm too busy. I have 18 children. It's not going to happen. How do you feel about that? Well, hopefully I can give you some encouraging tips, if you will, that might inspire some some things where you go, okay, if I, I, I feel like I need solitude in my life, but I've, I don't know if that could happen. 
how can I do that? Well, I just want to give you three quick things here. First one, just look for small moments throughout the day to be present with God. Just look for those little small moments that they happen to all of us that we so easily and quickly fill with so many other things. I saw, I've heard something the other day that the average American checks their phone 3,000 times a day. Think about that. Now, even if that number is remotely close, that is a whole bunch of time spent looking at our phones. And what if we just took some of that time? What if you just took some of that time and said, instead of, instead of having my phone, instead of picking up and checking Facebook or, or watching a YouTube video or going to TikTok or whatever it is you do, you just said, I'm going to make the conscious decision to not do that right now and just spend time with God. Maybe you get to a lunch early. There wasn't as much traffic and you're there 10, 15 minutes early. Instead of getting in there and sitting down and getting your drink and, and whatever else, like what if you just stayed in your car in the quiet and said, God, you have my attention. What do you want to talk about? We can all do that. And those little moments throughout the day can build up into something beautiful. Second thing you can do, schedule a t special time each week where you will get away to be with the Lord. Now this one maybe seemed like a little harder for you because you're like, oh man, I'm not very good at scheduling things. <laughs> Or maybe you just feel like you're too busy. Listen, we, can, we can't be too busy to be with Jesus. And if we're going to have a healthy, thriving relationship with him, we need to be doing it on purpose. And that means planning things, some things. That might mean scheduling some time. Maybe you just take Tuesdays at 9 p.m. every week and say, babe, I know we have our show we watch every night, but on Tuesdays, I'm going to take an hour and I'm going to go for a drive or I'm going to go to the lake or I'm going to, whatever it might be, and say, and I'm just going just, to, it's going to be me and Jesus. And you just take your Bible. You don't take your phone. You don't, you don't take any other distractions. You say, I'm just going to spend time with the Lord. One day a week, one, one slot a week. We can do that. We can commit to something like that. And God will use it. How about this third thing? And this one was more for myself because I, this frightens me. Commit to turning off the radio for a month and simply focus on Jesus. Uh, when I say radio here, I mean like the car radio. Uh, because whenever I get in the car with someone and their radio is not on, I look at them like they're crazy. Like, what is wrong with you? You drive in silence, like as a normal thing? Like, that's odd to me, okay? Because I always have the radio on. I get on, it's already on, and I'm, and I'm instantly looking for what I'm going to listen to. Or I'm getting my phone out and Spotify and Bluetooth, whatever, to try to play what I want to play. And as I was preparing this week, I was like, man, like, I am so quick to run to distraction, even through the form of, of worship music. And it's because I'm just listening to music. I'm not even worshiping. It's just, it's just good Christian music that I put on instantly. And I'm like, man, how much time would you have if you turned the radio off and when you were driving, you were just saying, Lord, I just want to be with you. I'm just going to sit in silence. I'm not saying don't pay attention to the road, by the way. <laughs> okay? <laughs> don't get me wrong. But man, like how much time could you actually spend just thinking about the Lord? Spend with the Lord. If he's just for a month, he said, I'm not going to listen to the music in the car. Like I said, this is, hopefully this will just inspire you to creatively think for yourself of how you can practice solitude. These are just a couple of examples. But I think it's important that you 
say, okay, God, what do I need to do? He's not listening to the radio. I can't do that. I'm going to do something else. Right? Maybe, maybe you can't spend an hour each week, but maybe you can plan 15 minutes out of every day where you're saying complete and utter silence and attention with the Lord. No distraction, no people, no noise. What can you do? Now, I asked you the question a few moments ago of how you felt about solitude. And I did that because I know some of you, maybe because of COVID, that that has brought about extreme anxiety, that idea to you. Because you've already felt so isolated, so alone, so disconnected. And for now, you to be hearing that you need to practice being alone, that that scares you. And I just want to say this to you. In Matthew chapter 27, right after Jesus had this moment in the garden where he is asked for there to be another way, Jesus, he goes and he's beaten and he's stripped naked and he's mocked and he carries a cross and then he is put on that cross. And while he's on the cross, he's, he's suffering. And he's not just suffering physically, but he's suffering spiritually because he is literally absorbing the wrath of God for the sins of the world. And there's this moment when he's on the cross where he says these kind of eerie words. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the only time we ever see Jesus referring to God the Father as God and not Father. And I want you to see why that's important because Jesus came to this earth. He left heaven, the perfection of heaven, this beautiful harmony with, between him, Father, Spirit, and he came and he put on flesh and he lived this life and then he's dying on a cross on a cross that you and I were meant to be carrying for ourselves. And that if we are to face God one day without trusting Jesus, we will stand before God alone. Held accountable for our sins, held accountable for our life. But Jesus, in his love for us, he has come and he hung alone on a cross. To pay the price for our sins so that in turning and putting our trust in him, we would never have to be alone. See, the point of solitude is not about being alone. In fact, the point of solitude is that so we can engage with someone, and that someone is the creator of the universe, our God, our Savior, and his name is Jesus. And so whatever anxieties you might be feeling here today about this practicing solitude, you need to understand it's, it's not about being alone. It's about responding to the fact that Jesus was made alone for you and for me so that we might have perfect communion with him. Not just for now, but for all eternity. And if that's not good news to you, I don't know what is. So if you fear being alone, trust me, Jesus has promised, you put your faith in him, you trust in him, you turn to him, you will never be alone. No matter what this life brings, he will always be with you. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray. 
And if you're struggling with that, or maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus, or maybe you've never taken seriously this intentional time of, of pulling away and, and getting rid of the distractions to be with Jesus, I just want to encourage you to just take this moment to pray and ask God to do a work in your heart that only he can do. I can't do it. You can't do it. Only he can. And I promise you, if you seek his face, you'll find him. If you ask anything according to his will, you can know that you have the things of which you ask for. And I promise you this, if there's anything that Jesus wants, it's to be able to be with you. Won't you pray with me? God, we thank you for, for Jesus. Lord, we thank you that he hung alone on a cross for us in our place as our substitute so that we might be able to be free and forgiven and given new life and adopted into your family and so that we might have fellowship with you. And we know that's true because you say that when we put our faith in you, that your very spirit comes to live inside of us as a seal of the promise. So God, if there's anyone struggling with that today, God, I pray that you would just give them hope right now. Encourage them, build them up. Help them see that truth. Help them put whatever they have to do in place so that they would spend intentional time with you, alone with you. Full attention given to you. God, if there's anybody that doesn't know you, God, I pray you would draw them today by your kindness, through your love. Lord, we thank you for today. And we gather and we praise and we worship because of you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.